you want to learn more about effective management, head over to madsingers.com and sign up for my free management training. Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Michelle Mercier. Welcome, Michelle. Hey there, Mads. Thank you so much for having me today. Really appreciate being here. I am so excited to have you because we're going to have an amazing conversation. (laughs) But just before we jump into that, there is people around the world who don't yet know who you are, believe it or not. Would you mind giving a little bit of an introduction of how you ended up where you are and all this good stuff? Of course, of course. Um, And you mean people don't know who I am everywhere, (laughs) Mads? All billions of people everywhere? Potentially. I love that you say that. I love that you say that. Um, So I have a really interesting and twisty turny kind of journey that I started back in college as a theater and music major. So I thought I was going for law and came out with theater and music. So I'm sure my my parents were super psyched about that. Um, But the entire time, I've also always been very, you know, business minded and creative. So I feel like that is a little bit of my superpower. And as I moved through my career, I got a master's degree in running nonprofit arts organizations, so major organizations. And it was almost like an MBA in the nonprofit sector. So I learned all very similar things that you would learn in an MBA. Just, I like to say, no offense to my MBA friends, but with a little bit more heart, a little bit more mission behind it. I, I um, thought you were about to say without learning how to make money, but oh, well, that's yes, fair. That too. That's that fair. Too. True. True that. So, and that's a good segue because then after working in the arts, I decided I would like to make money. And I actually jumped into the corporate space where I did almost a decade, primarily with enterprise level clients and operations. Um, I worked and I ran the PayPal Europe email operations side of things for quite a long time. I was also the person they brought in when things um, maybe weren't great. <laughs> I was the fixer. Um, I, again, I'm very good at the technical end of things as well as the people end of things. So it came in very handy when speaking with people like engineers versus client services folks. And then, you know, my team got outsourced. So, which was a blessing in itself because I had two extremely medically complicated children. So looking back when I lost my job, you know, I couldn't have, I couldn't have done what I needed to do with two children with, like I said, just extreme things happening in and out of hospitals all the time. So I decided to go do my, my own thing. And I had no idea, zero idea of what it wanted to do with my business. So I just started trying everything. I was looking for anything that kind of lit me up. So I did everything from selling out movie theaters for documentary screenings to running workshops and empowerment but the entire time I've been coaching and consulting for, for professionals. So and that brings me to where I am today, where I primarily work with high achieving leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs to kind of make sure, number one, that they maintain inner calm through outer chaos, which is seems to be the theme of like the last couple of years. Um, and also to make sure that, you know, we're keeping the personal in business because sometimes you hear that that saying, you know, it's not, it's not personal, it's business. And I'm not, not a fan of that because there's always people involved. And then I also have a podcast and I do quite a bit of speaking. So, I mean, that is, that is me in a nutshell. Super quick and easy, huh? Yeah, I try, I try. Excellent. Excellent. (laughs) 
So yeah, uh, I think uh, lo lots of interesting things and uh, yeah, good good background. I think uh, one Thanks. of the one of the one of the easiest things when when we are in business is to to focus a lot on on what we do, right? But I think a lot of the time, at least for me, the most successful people I've met have had some weird ways around getting to where they ended up. And I think a lot of the time that kind of the, the mix of trying a lot of things and, and occasionally succeeding, uh, I think generates amazing human beings. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it definitely does. I mean, I'm always a big fan. Um, Sheryl Sandberg has a great quote where she kind of, where she speaks about resiliency as like a muscle that you can build it up and draw on it. And that, you know, you basically become the person that you're meant to be by the end of the experiences. And I think especially those of us who are leading things or managing people or anything through the past couple of years can really tell the tale of that. And I think it, it allows you to, to fill your collective toolbox as you're moving forward so that, you know, it's kind of that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger kind of mentality in a way. Yeah. And and I, I think for me, that's it's one of the essential things, right? Because, but just when we look at life in general, I think um, like like all through life, you go through these cycle where you're like, "Oh, this thing right in front of me seems difficult," yeah. but it only seems difficult because you haven't done it, right? Exactly. I mean, I did a lot of things at an early age as well. So I, I moved away from home when I was 15. I moved to a foreign country as soon as I turned 18. And those things, for, for many people, those things are scary. And it was also a little bit scary for me. But the whole thing was that after I'd done it, I'm like, oh, okay, that's okay. That's easy, right? right? right. So I, I think a lot of resilience come down to that, right? It's a question of doing things. And when you've done them, then they're not so scary and not so difficult anymore, right? And, and I see the same thing with business. Like, yes, I see so many people going through all the steps at, at various levels and different kinds of steps at the time. But, but really, it's just about getting out there, right? And, yeah. and I think yeah. as an entrepreneur, there's so many ideas all the time. And, and yes. so many people, when, when they sit around in the beginning, they're like, oh, I don't know what kind of business to start. How can I find a business? And they can't find the ideas. Whereas my experience is when you've been in business for a little while, you cannot stop finding ideas. Yeah, there's too many. And then you're like, focus, focus yourself in. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, I find oftentimes I'm not, I'm not necessarily satisfied with the dictionary's, you know, definition of resilience, which is essentially like just bounce back, you know, just bounce back and get on with it. Um, whereas I found over my, and you know, what I said about my kids is like one micro piece of a lot of adversity that I've been through as I'm sure you have too. And what I found is it pays off more as I wanted to find it more as embracing the spectrum of emotions that come with adversity and still being able to continue moving forward because some people underestimate, you know, just the ability of getting out of bed in the morning can be a courageous act for some people, let alone walking in and running a company, you know? So I think we need to kind of redefine what that looks like a little bit. So it's not just this expected ability just to bounce back and act like everything's okay. Cause sometimes it's okay not to yeah. in a lot of situations. Yeah, no, I love it. And I, I think, uh, I think it's the mindset that, that generates most successful people. Right. I think yes. it, it's, I've always had like mindset. It's easy to say, it's easy to say, be positive. It's easy to say, you know, look at the bright side. That is easy to say, but actually doing it can be more difficult, yes. for, particularly for some people. But yeah. I think it's it's probably the biggest differentiator when it comes down to it. Right? 
Yeah. I mean, and, and remembering that you have a choice. I recently put out a post on social media that said, you know, give me your definition of resilience. And there was one person in particular who said, you know, I really think it's rooted in choice and remembering that you do have a choice. You may not have a choice as to, you know, what the next steps are, or, you know, some things may be out of your control, but no matter what, you always have a choice of, you know, your feelings or reactions. And I'm not saying that it's as easy, like you said, like just flipping a light switch, like, I'm going to be happy today. Cause sometimes it's, it's a little bit more complex than that, but it is about moving the needle closer to the other end um, toward happy and not just being sitting in complete rage and despair and living there. Right. So it's at least taking a step and choosing to, to keep moving forward and in, in whatever that looks like. It's actually, so I've done a lot of speeches uh, on the topic of happiness as a choice. And I fully definitely believe in that. Uh, I think, uh, yeah. I think it, it comes down to a couple of simple things, which is one, you need to take full ownership of everything that happens around you and to you. Uh, I think that the easiest way to become unhappy or to be unhappy in any situation is to blame things on external factors. So if you go to a job interview and you don't get the job and you're like, oh, the hiring manager is stupid. I'm obviously the best person <laughs> or whatever, whoever, whatever you blame, every single time you do that, you make yourself unhappy, right? right. Now, the thing is the cards could have been stacked against you. That's fine. But in the end of the day, the only person who could potentially turn that around is you, right? Right, right. and I want to clarify for you, that it's not turn around the situation as in get hired. It's turn around the outcome and what you're going to do next, right? Yes. That's what you yeah. mean, right? Yeah, because I don't want anybody thinking like, oh, well, I can't turn it around. They're going to hire me. No, that's not what it's about, if I'm understanding you correctly. No, no, definitely. I mean, it's about taking that ownership and saying, you know, the reason why I failed was because I hadn't prepared enough. Or right. the reason I failed was because I hadn't. And the whole thing is it's I instead of other people, because the right. thing is, the second you say other people, what happens is you, you take your destiny out of your own hands. Exactly. And it's so easy to feel overwhelmed. It's so easy to feel you have no impact if you feel that the world is doing things to you right. rather than feeling that you own your life. Right. 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 You, you lose the ability to be kind of the captain of your own ship per se. And then you just, and I see so many people, it's interesting when I spoke about before, how I just kind of tried all these different things. One of the, the questions I started asking people was like, well, what do you want to do <laughs> with your life? Like, how do you want to show up this way? And, and it was astounding how many people couldn't answer that yeah. because they had been so used to kind of just passively moving through life that it seemed like at some point when they became adults, it was like locked in. Um, whereas you, you all of a sudden didn't have a choice or you didn't want to make a choice or whatever that aspect may be. But, you know, especially if you're leading a team or especially if you are, you know, founding a company, there are a lot of choices to be made and you may not be sure of them all, but at least acknowledge the fact that that still exists. And like you said, it's not happening to you. And I mean, you can even go to say it's happening for you, right? On mm -hmm. some levels. Yeah. And that's, I mean, so one of the beautiful things in my experience is that when you learn to look at life like that, it's also much easier to, to make things positive. I think a lot of the time people are like, oh, just look at the positive side. But the whole thing is if you don't feel you have that ownership of your life, yeah. Looking at the positive side is more difficult. Right. Um, but I mean, I'm, I'm in a situation, I, I can't remember having been unhappy for 15 years, right? Because 
I, I think fundamentally like I know that anything that happens around me is it's up to me, right? I, I feel the ownership. I feel I, I feel like when you're kids, I feel I can do anything that I put my mind to, right? And, right. and, and I know when I fail, when I'm not doing well, it's either because I'm too lazy, I'm doing the wrong things, <laughs> I'm prioritizing the wrong things. And, and every single thing, I can always track it back, right? Right, right. And I think that's why I'm a big believer that one of the number one criteria for, for leading or running a company is self-awareness, right? Because <laughs> I've seen, seen too many people um, managing, managing others who don't necessarily manage themselves first um, and look in and say, you know, did I set expectations correctly with these employees? Um, or is it just that they're, they're dumb? You know, I feel like people are very, very, you know, first to go to that if you're running a team. Whereas when I was running teams, I would always say, okay, where does it lie with me and where does it lie with them? Right. And straight out of the gate, if the expectations weren't set, or if I wasn't in tune with the motivation of that employee, then I wouldn't know how to manage them correctly. And I find a lot of managers don't even ask that piece either from a human perspective. My, my favorite question is what could I do different? Right. So yeah. if I, if I have an employee that, that isn't performing, like re- reality is as a manager, like you can't sit down and spend hundred percent of your time with an employee, right? That is, no. that is no. often not an option um, right. and, and often not a good idea. So the whole question is from that I like to ask is what could I have done differently? So is there anything in particular I could do different to get a different result that doesn't cost me all of my time? Right. Yes. And I think yeah. that's, I found that being a very successful approach to 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 looking at performance in particular, mm-hmm. um, and particularly when you talk with people. And and totally to your point, like in most cases, it's expectation because yes. no one wakes up in the morning and say, "I want to do a bad job." Exactly. Yeah. No one. Yeah. I, I've never no. met anyone, at least. So. No, me me neither. And I and I think that I think that is where we go wrong when we try to take the the human out of business. Right. Because I think I, I have so many, so many problems with that <laughs> from, you know, change management perspective and the psychological profiles that go with that when you're changing in a company or growing and scaling from just being a manager, asking the question that you just said, or saying, you know, why are you showing up here today? That, you know, a simple question like that, or, you know, what motivates you? Because I had many managers who would think money motivates me. And that's not necessarily my key motivator, right? So in a lot of roles. Uh, so, so, the, so the thing is, in my experience is most people think others are motivated the way they are. So if they exactly. are motivated by money, they expect everyone else to be motivated Absolutely. by money. And that yes. is rarely the case. Right. And then you're managing yourself essentially, which is not going to work for, with, well, for your team. With, with some when people some that works really well. And yeah. for a whole bunch of people that does not work at all, right? Exactly. And I mean, I think it's, I think it's, I did a lot of project management, right? And again, a lot of, a lot of working with multiple different roles with multiple different personality types, we'll say from creatives to, to engineers, to devs, to, you know, lots of things in that realm. And if I didn't understand what motivated them as a person and then their role and responsibilities and set expectations, I would have had a very hard time getting all of those people number one, to speak the same language on some level and have, you know, a goal that they were all marching toward. Um, but number two, you know, I can't, 
expect them to be open for feedback if I don't understand where they're coming from on some sort of level. Yeah, that's uh, I'm I'm probably the world's biggest fan of the disc behavior framework, which mm. for me is life changing. But uh, yeah, that's that's exactly the focus, right? And I, I mean, any any way, shape, or form, you you learn to understand people. Um, again, the key focus is learning to understand individuals, not just. Yes theories around people and expectations to how people should work instead of how they actually work. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's easy because I can recognize the fact that if you're a manager and you have an upline, right. <laughs> you know, you have people above you and you have pressure coming down, pressure coming up and you're in that middle spot. That is a challenging place to be. And I've actually heard quite a few um, managers and kind of that, that middle territory tell me in the past couple of years, like there's no winning. Like I can't, I can't necessarily satisfy the people below me, the people above me want different things. But again, it comes to kind of the point of viewing people as humans, figuring out the what's in it for everybody kind of factor um, when they show up and then managing accordingly, given that but situation. One thing in that situation I have always found works really well is, is uh, for managers learning to take full responsibility. So one thing I've seen that does not work, and a lot of managers do this, so if, if decisions are taken that they feel are above them and you know the boss says we have to cut people or boss, yeah. the, the, the management team says we have to do this or that, when you as a leader don't take responsibility and just push the blame to yeah. the people who make their decision, basically what happens is, again, one, you feel powerless because you mm-hmm. feel it happening to you. Right. Instead of taking full ownership and saying, this is what the company needs and be 100% behind the decision. All right. Uh, I, I've found that that in many cases, when people don't do that, they, they, they can sometimes completely destroy the team. Because if the yes. team is working for you as a manager and you, know, you have the relationship with them, and if they feel you become powerless that is usually one of the worst situations. It's better that they feel you believe that something has to be done, even you don't necessarily agree with it, but you you know that it's the right thing for the company. It's right. much better you make unpopular decisions, but lead through them rather than, you know, blaming people around you. So just like happiness, it's the same thing. If you If you don't take responsibility for the choices and for the, organizations decisions if you will that is a, that is a place where i've seen that scenario a lot where people just feel yeah. oh you know i can't make anyone happy mm-hmm. so right right and i think it's i think I, I get asked a lot and i don't know if you do as well that question around like where does vulnerability come in how much should i tell my team that comes from above and like all of that stuff and i was like well number one this i feel like people are always looking for a black and white answer to that and there isn't <laughs> Well, so, <laughs> so my experience, like so you my, have to know my, your experience, my experience in that one is they're looking for a way out Yeah. Um, more than they're necessarily looking for an answer. Right. Um, yeah. I, I think again, I, I, I have very, very few things I wouldn't tell my team. So when I work with people, there is, I can think of very, very, very few things that I would ever not tell them. Um, right. that, that there's definitely things that I'm not necessarily screaming and shouting in their face just to do it. Right. But there's very few things I wouldn't tell them. And I've always had the experience that the more you bring people on board, the more you involve people, 
the more they also understand the decisions, all right? Yes. And the more they're likely again to fight with you instead of fighting against you. Um, yeah. And I think that goes to maintaining a level of, of trust, right? Because the minute that you, I've always been very similar to what you just described as well in the fact of like the minute I withhold a whole bunch of stuff that is bound to backfire on me. Um, but I think it also goes to trusting your team that they can handle it and understanding the people that you're managing in the, to your point, what degree do you go at it with too? Do you come in guns blazing and like, Oh my God, we're doing layoffs and screaming at you? No, you don't. Like you have to approach it with a level of vulnerability as well as compassion. And also know that leading is to be blunt, fucking hard sometimes and uncomfortable, but that's why you're in that position and you can do it. Right. And, and as I always say, the, the whole thing is that while leading is hard, the whole thing is that you are the best person in the seat. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Because again, when you're not leading, things are technically more likely to happen to you. Whereas when you are the leader, you are more in control. And even though it's hard, even though it's difficult, uh, being in control is definitely better than not being in control. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Like it. <laughs> good. Good. So, um, yeah. I mean, there's obviously at the moment, I mean, it's, it's a different world out there. So, all this resilience, all this sort of adversity we see and so on. What's what's your sort of experience with that? And how, how does people go to these very difficult, very unusual situations in a successful way and manner? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it's it's a very interesting tight walk, tightrope to walk, especially if you're an owner of a company, you have employees and things like that. But just to give some context, I recently I recently did a talk on you know this topic of work life integration and how to ba- balance it all, which I don't think is possible, which is why I use the word integration. Um, but I had surveyed the group before I went into the workshop, and the first question I asked was just straight up like, "How are you?" You know, and I put a like a, an emoji right in there. It was kind of like, "No, I really want to know because I did." And you know, unfortunately, oftentimes we see. And this is not necessarily a specific company, but I've seen it time and time again, where, you know, my contacts would be like, oh, we're great. Everyone's fantastic. And then I ask that question and it's just kind of, you know, a little bit of a hot mess. So, and unfortunately that is, that is what came to be. And I think it's as a company, I want to make sure that folks are not kind of turning a blind eye and also fully understanding what they are responsible for versus which what they're not and what's in their best interest and in dealing with some of the stuff with their people. And again, I'm not saying like what you said earlier, like we're not going to take all day in Kumbaya in a circle and talk about our feelings. However, you have to acknowledge some of these large realities that people are dealing with. And when I get 50 responses of I'm feeling depressed I'm not good. I'm not in a really great place. My family life feels a mess. I'm overworked. Like when I get a large amount of those, like some, some flag should go off somewhere with someone around, you know, addressing things. Yeah. That's what, what I see a lot. And, and I totally understand where it comes from, but if you ask a manager or a business owner, how is the team, their response is often reflective of current performance not necessarily okay. current health of the team. Yes. So if the company is performing well, the leader is often like, oh yeah, we're doing good. We're doing good. Whereas they don't necessarily communicate particularly well to the staff, right? Right. Now, if the performance is not good 
again, they still often don't communicate to the staff, but they will often be more likely in those situations to say, yeah, you know, we're struggling and so on and so forth. But, but really because they're looking at, and that could be the balance sheet or that could be, you know, just general performance, but, but they're looking right. more at the actual performance from people instead of the actual exactly. sort of verbal signals that comes up. Right. The numbers look great. But your people are dying behind you and are going to burn out and you're not going to have those numbers in the long run yeah. is, you know, what unfortunately happens sometimes. And, you know, I, I think if we can play the long game a little bit more with that um, and not just go, well, we hit this quarter's numbers or, you know, the, the revenue is up or, or whatever that is. Am I saying that's not important? Absolutely not. That's, that's important. You need money to run a business. But at the same time, I don't necessarily think those two things need to exist, you know, separately of one another. Yeah. And I, it's been my experience running teams that the more, the more I can actually understand where someone's head's at, the better I can motivate them to perform and to yeah. hit the numbers. Um, you know, some people may look at that and say, well, that's really naive, Michelle, just get them to hit the numbers. Well, that's my, that's my style of doing it. And I think there's, there is a sweet spot in the middle in which you can recognize somebody as a person as well as bring their their strong points and increase their strengths and decrease their points of weakness as an employee and really work with them to hit the numbers as well. It's also where different management styles come in. I mean, I, I, I think I'm also the first to recognize that people people do lead differently and and some people are extremely good at really pushing people and, and getting the most out of people. Right. at least short, shorter term right uh, i think the e even if you have a personality like that which for in most businesses is great because pushing people and, and actually expect having higher expectations to people is generally something that makes team perform yeah. but you just need to be aware of uh, the potential downfall of the, the potential challenges that people can go through where right. where you have to be super aware right right and i right. think that's again that's where it's so critical to understand your own sort of personality and uh, understand your own leadership style and, and really understand uh, that aspect of yourself because if you know yourself if you know those strengths and limitations you are much less likely to not just burn out people but really to end up in a situation where where you basically have to, yeah, emergency, right? People is running out of the door, right, left and center because they're well, stressed right, out. Right, right, mass exodus on you, which then you're sitting there going, well, what, what happened? I thought we were good. Like, did you ever <laughs> ask if you were good? Like your numbers might be great, but again, it's it's about more of that kind of long game of do you want do you want loyalty? Do you want the 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 knowledge that comes with an employee who's been there? For a long time and has moved through and is is bought into your mission um or is, is everyone just kind of a number and you burn through them and you're fine with that but at least again it's a conscious choice as to which direction you're going as a company um and believe me i'm i am perfectly happy with kind of you know for lack of a better phrase cracking a whip when one needs to be cracked right um but i know the people well enough and they know me well enough as a manager or a leader to know that when I do that, it's go time. It's not, I don't just do that for the hell of it. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think it's also just in, in terms of the mindset, right? Like you should always try and have high expectations and you, yeah. you should always try and, and, and encourage a, a extremely great performance, right? Mm -hmm. But I think yeah. it's much more about 
it's much more about understanding different people so that you understand like because right. i mean when you look at some of the, the most famous people out there like working for someone like elon musk right if you get a, a phone call at 4 a.m in the morning and you expect to answer within three seconds you know living that life is difficult and some people couldn't live without it all right. right. So yeah. the whole thing is, again, you need to understand the people around you. Mm -hmm. And if you are a leader like Musk with big expectations and, you know, you expect uh, when you work somewhere, 24 hours a day belong to you kind of thing. Uh, that's uh, that's obviously an expectation. And, and that's an expectation that works extremely well with some people. Right. Yes. Yes, but you need to pressure. understand the staff, you need to understand your people, and you, you need to understand how they work, how they operate. And, and reality is most people need comp most companies need people of all different kinds to be successful. Yes, because if do. you just have super super ego focused people who are just out for themselves and running after the fame or whatever, uh, my experience is in, in the long run, they they won't win, right? Right. So, right. so it, it is having a good mix of everything. And, and as a manager, really, whatever personality you are as a manager, the goal is to learn for yourself to work with people that are not like you. Because exactly. people who think and act and behave like you, they're the easy ones, right? Well, yeah, because... you're in an echo chamber, essentially, exactly. for your own self, right? Instead of, you know, I, I as a leader, I like to be challenged, People be like, well, oh, I don't want to, I don't know, say it like, <laughs> because yeah. I know damn well that I don't have all the answers. You know, I may, I, maybe I have more seniority. Maybe I know more from the top, whatever the, the caveat may be. But if you're a leader and you automatically shut down as I've seen many do, because again, ego is a funny thing to work with sometimes where, you know, you won't challenge me. Yeah. I know more than you, you know, um, that could be the fall. That could be, that could be a very, very, you know, touchy subject to, to move on to instead of, like you said, embracing kind of the spectrum of people. And again, I just want to reiterate because we've said it like 15 times for anyone listening, setting expectations accordingly <laughs> and yeah. being very clear. And when you think you weren't clear or you think you were, be clearer. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I've actually been in the situation myself, uh, and and not necessarily because of ego in my case, but in my case, more just personality-wise, right? Like, I'm I'm naturally kind of a relatively fast thinker, and if people come up with an idea, and I see that I don't think it will work, I'll tell them, "Oh no, that's not a good idea," because blah blah blah. Now, reality is, if I don't say that, the world is much better. Because if someone comes up with an idea and I shoot it down straight away, that yeah. is absolutely the worst thing as a leader that you can do. Because one, it makes people less likely to speak up and come yeah. up with ideas if they feel they're getting shut down. And reality is, even if it was a bad idea, the fact that someone comes up with ideas and uttered it is a benefit for your team, right? And, yes. and, and guess what? One of the biggest lessons I learned was I'm not always right. Exactly. I, I know that sounds crazy to some people, but <laughs> me too. My, hus not... my husband's probably listening, like, really? Really, Michelle? You're not always But I'm not. And I think that's a great point because I'm very similar to you as well. That is where, like, my brain is usually 15 steps ahead of, of the majority of people in the room. So, and I've already mapped 15 different situations and scenarios and ways things could go and what could work and what didn't. But, you know, they're called blind spots spots for a reason, folks, like there is guaranteed something I'm not seeing. And I, you know, 
but I think also we have to be careful as leaders not to put kind of that false sense of security, like, oh, they'll figure it out. I don't need to speak up. No, no, no. We need to both have each other's backs in these situations and pull the collective knowledge from the team. And I love the fact that you just said, like, you can't just shoot it down because you will train your employees to stay silent at that point. Yeah, yeah definitely. And, and I mean, so I was lucky enough to have a, a manager at the time, my boss at the time when, when I was first starting out that, that picked up on it really quickly. And she said it to me very directly. And, you know, as always, as, as perfectionists go, we, we tend to just shoot it down and say, oh, no, that doesn't make sense. I'm just trying to save us time for not spending time on bad ideas okay. and stuff. But, but the whole thing is like with most feedback, you know, it rotates in your head for a little while. And then eventually you're like, oh, that actually makes a lot of sense. So. Yes. Yes. I am. I am a hundred percent on board. And it's interesting. I used to do something very similar and had managers, you know, teach me, teach me that way. And now I have an eight year old that does the same thing. <laughs> it's like payback <laughs> where he's just like, no, what about this? And no, this, and no, this, and this is right. And I'm like, oh friend, I'm going to try to teach you earlier <laughs> because I know his brain is just always going. Yeah. Um, but I'm very grateful for the people who have taught those lessons to me throughout the years. Um, you know, because it just makes me, it might be hard to hear, but it's, it's like you said, rolls around in your head until it sticks. Definitely. Definitely. So lastly, you, you talked a little bit before we got started about habits for success. Yeah. Now I love habits. So any magical uh, bullet points that will automatically make our life better really quickly. Yeah. I mean, honestly, <laughs> there's a lot of them, but I think, I think is number one is never underestimating the power of old habits. I think sometimes people just think, well, I'm just, it's, you see it all the time, like in things like the weight loss industry, <laughs> right? Like, I'm just automatically going to cut all this stuff and every, every limiting belief and every kind of programming that I've had for the past 40 years is magically going to go out the window. So in the fact of when you are building habits that it does take, it takes time and patience to get there. But as somebody who, I mean, I'm pretty religious about some of my performance habits and I'm a big fan of what's called, I like to call it bookending my day. So I make sure I'm going into my day with the correct mindset and whatever that looks like, whether it's journaling, whether it's, you know, visualizing the day, whether it's exercising, whatever that may be, but also making sure that I'm closing off the day and bookending it so that I'm not laying in bed at two o'clock in the morning, you know, thinking about all the crap <laughs> that happened in the day. So I make a conscious shift to shut down the day and kind of bookend it and say, okay, this is closed, you know, and this is what needs to be moved till tomorrow. So that I'm managing my own men mental expectations for myself and then keeping the habits in play. And it's interesting because when I first married my husband, I was like, oh, habits, ritual, no way. Like I want everything random. And he was like, okay, that makes no sense. Um, but I think that was kind of the scattered artist in me. But as I've gotten, as I've gotten older, it's like, I notice, I notice a huge difference in my performance and the way that I show up for clients and the way that I come on stage for speaking gig. You know, if I haven't, you know, done these small things, meditation is a big one for me as well. Um, if I haven't kind of gone through my, my motions of keeping those habits in play on a consistent level. Yeah. So I, I actually have a probably opposite challenge sometimes. So one of, one of the things that I found is that I, I need to challenge myself in my comfort zone. So by nature, I am someone that can get very comfort, comfortable and not necessarily lazy, but more 
you know, when I know my office space, I know where I'm working, I know what I'm doing. Um, I, I, I sometimes develop slower because I'm not being challenged. I'm very comfortable in a set yes. environment and doing things the same way. And one of the biggest things that I've had pretty much most of my career is the fact that, you know, every so often I need to shake up in myself a little bit, not to call it fall asleep. That's probably the wrong expression, <laughs> but uh, just uh, yeah. like both career-wise and everything, because I mm-hmm. like, I'm one of these people I could easily have like a, super boring job sitting staring at numbers all day and I could be extremely good at that I would probably enjoy doing it and all this sort of stuff but I I realized early on that 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 generally limits my development as well um so I I found it really important for me to definitely have habits habits is everything but I think as much understanding when I'm too much in habits and when I need to shake myself up a little bit yes I mean especially I look at them as kind of anchors, right? Because I work with a lot of folks who are just kind of living in this chaotic world and again, have to maintain that inner sense of calm when there's just kind of stuff flying around and flying at them. Um, And they have to be pivoting quickly and things like that. So I look at them more as as anchors, but I completely understand what you're saying sometimes because I'm like, oh my God, I didn't do X, Y, and Z. And it becomes like an OCD level thing, um, which is a little different than, you know, just looking at them as no matter what, you know, ups, downs, whatever life throws at me, these are just the consistent things that I can count on yep. throughout a day that are within my control. Definitely. Oh, Michelle, awesome conversation. It was uh, really, really good to have you on. If someone sit out there and is eager to get hold of you, what is the best way to do so? Of course, of course. So you can, my website is createhonesty.com um, as well as my social handles. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, um, at Create Honesty is my handle on most of those. Then you can listen to the podcast, which is the Resilient Entrepreneur Podcast with Michelle Mercier. So you can find me at either one of those. Awesome. Awesome. I'm so impressed with people who can figure out how to use that Instagram thing. I'm, uh, <laughs> I love Instagram. Yeah. It's fun. I, uh, the one, the one picture I take every year is not really enough to, to make Instagram. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Exciting. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Michelle. It was awesome having you on. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Excellent. And to the audience, thank you for listening all the way to the end of the show. We'll be back again next week. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.